thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. Real news, real health, real quick. Hi, I'm Brett Hill. And This Week in Wellness, a study published in the JAMA Psychiatry, has shown that a mindfulness-based stress reduction program was as effective as the popular antidepressant drug, Escitalopram, in treating people with anxiety disorders. With many patients not responding well to Escitalopram and others having difficulty getting access to it or dealing with the side effects, with anxiety disorders on the rise and diagnosis leading to increased risk for suicide, disability and distress, alternative treatment options are very welcome. Elizabeth Hodge, MD and Director of the Anxiety Disorders Research Program said that Our study provides evidence for clinicians, insurers, and healthcare systems to recommend, include, and provide reimbursement for mindfulness-based stress reduction as an effective treatment for anxiety disorders, because mindfulness meditation currently is reimbursed by very few providers. The randomized clinical trial led by researchers at Georgetown University Medical Center was the first time standardized mindfulness-based interventions had been compared to effective anti-anxiety drugs. The study looked at 276 patients between 2018 and 2020 from three United States hospitals. The patients were randomly assigned to either Excitalopram or an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program consisting of 45-minute daily home classes, a -a two-and-a-half-hour in-person class each week, and one day-long retreat with both groups reporting a 30% drop in the patient's anxiety levels. As always, the links are in the show notes. And my opinion is that whilst this is only a small study, it is a very exciting study, especially for those people who've found that excitalopram doesn't work effectively for them or who struggle to get access to it or struggle to deal with the side effects of it. You know, what we're seeing here is an alternative that is not pharmaceutical based, that presumably has a lot less side effects that's easily accessible for really, I guess, everybody. I mean, being mindful, of course, that there is a big time commitment to this. You know, we're talking about their 45 minutes a day. We're talking about then two and a half hours a week. And then on top of that, a whole day during the course of that eight-week period. You know, that that is going to be prohibitive for some people in terms of that time commitment. However, what's not clear in this study is is what would happen with some longer-term follow-up. You know, is that something that you can do once and, you know, set and forget? Is it something you would have to do, you know, on a periodic basis, maybe you know, once a month, once a year, once a, whatever that may be? Or is it something you need to maintain constantly the whole time? Yeah, that would obviously have a big impact on the time commitment comparison for each of those possible alternatives. And I think there's a lot of scope there for more research to be done in that realm to see whether perhaps, you know, mindfulness-based exercises with smaller time commitments, perhaps even some of the app-based solutions that are available and out there, you know, I've certainly used some of those myself from time to time and found some of those meditation mindfulness apps to be incredibly effective and, and make a massive difference for me. So it'd be really interesting to study some of those shorter solutions. You know, the one I was following, I believe it was called Insight Timer. I don't have any uh, you know, connection to that or, uh, you know, kickback from that or anything of that nature, but I was using Insight Timer and that would be, you know, 10 to 30 minutes, I would listen to a guided meditation before going to sleep, which really didn't take out any additional time from my day. So it'd be you know interesting to compare something perhaps like that and to see what sort of difference that made and to do a similar sort of comparison to this uh, excitalopram medication. You know, I think more research needs to be done, uh, but it's very exciting for those people who do suffer from anxiety, who don't want to take pharmaceutical-based medications, who do struggle with the side effects 
to see that there are some options out there that can be as effective as the medical as the pharmaceutical interventions that are there. I also think it's really important to note the comments from the researchers there about the funding and the reimbursement of these types of treatments because it does seem like there is a real bias. As we've mentioned, it's come up in the research several times in the last few weeks of bias towards pharmaceutical-based interventions, bias towards interventions that are able to be you know, patented and profited from and, and sold on a large scale. You know, that, that there certainly is an indication that Perhaps the, the ability to profit from those leads to a greater availability and, and funding for things like lobbying, for things like representing your PR reps and, and things like that, that that make it more readily accessible to get the pharmaceutical option when perhaps, as is shown in this case, there is another option there that is just effect- as effective, perhaps more accessible to people, perhaps with less side effects. And wouldn't it be great if we could get to the stage where those interventions are being just as well supported in terms of funding, in terms of reimbursement, if not more so than the pharmaceutical-based interventions too? So, you know, I think the important message here is that if you are suffering from anxiety, there is stuff out there that can help you. And if one method isn't working for you, then there's the opportunity there to try something else as well. So seek help, you know, speak to a professional and uh, and try some of these alternatives and find what's going to work for you for your anxiety. You've been listening to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. To continue the conversation, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash This Week in Wellness. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And for more information about this and other projects from me, head to drbretthill.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.